This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. China reopened to the world after three gruelling years of COVID isolation. Travellers can now mostly go in and out of the country freely without the need to quarantine. Although unlike foreign business folk, international tourists are still barred. Thousands crossed at the border with Hong Kong on Sunday morning, and Chinese travel sites have been swamped. However, a huge underreported COVID wave means many other countries now require travellers departing from China to prove they are uninfected. Russia's unilaterally declared 36-hour ceasefire in its war with Ukraine ended with little sign that it had actually begun. The Kremlin had promised to cease hostilities from midday on Friday to midnight on Saturday to mark Orthodox Christmas. But Russian shelling was reported across the occupied east of the country, with several civilians killed. On Sunday, local puppet officials installed by Russia claimed that Ukraine had damaged two power plants in the east with a rocket attack. The IMF announced a meeting with Pakistan to be held on Monday to discuss a stalled bailout. Talks will happen on the sidelines of a UN conference in Geneva aimed at raising international funds to repair the damage caused during extreme flooding last year. The cost of rebuilding millions of homes and broken infrastructure has been estimated at around $16.3 billion. In Western Australia, army helicopters evacuated people endangered by flooding in the remote Kimberley region, home to many Aboriginal communities. A week of heavy rain has caused the worst flooding in the region's recent history, with the town of Fitzroy Crossing among the most affected. Climate change and the prolonged La Nina weather system have increased rainfall across Australia in recent years. Thousands of Israelis took to the streets of Tel Aviv to protest against policies proposed by the country's new right-wing government, led by Benjamin Netanyahu. Left-wing and Arab members of Israel's parliament led the demonstrations. Their concerns centred on a planned overhaul of the country's judicial system, which critics say will weaken checks on the government's power. An anti-Netanyahu group vowed to demonstrate again next Saturday. Around 200 furious customers gathered outside Tesla showrooms in China to demand rebates and credit after the electric vehicle maker cut its prices for the second time in three months. Recent buyers feel they've overpaid for their cars, which now sell for 13 to 24% less than they did in September. Tesla has slashed prices to help maintain sales after the end of long-standing Chinese government subsidies last month. Ana Montes, a double agent who spied for Cuba while working as an American intelligence analyst, was released from prison after spending 20 years behind bars. By the time of her arrest in 2001, she had spent close to two decades divulging secrets about American operations on the communist island. She said she had felt morally obligated to help Cuba defend itself. And word of the week. Mauj. The name of a sex education website run by Arab women, meaning wave of sexual pleasure in Arabic. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. China reopens the world. For nearly three years, China isolated itself to stop the spread of COVID-19. The number of international flights tumbled, visas were denied, and those who did manage to enter the country faced onerous quarantines. But the raging spread of COVID across China has now rendered these restrictions pointless. 
they will mostly be dismantled on Sunday. That will allow many Chinese to take their first overseas trip in years. Tourist hotspots in Southeast Asia, starved of Chinese cash, will celebrate. Foreign executives will also be keen to visit their firm's factories in China, although tourist visas for foreigners remain unavailable. And as China's economy recovers, demand for foreign commodities will probably surge. But the years of isolation have left deep scars. Investors have grown weary of China and more open to moving supply chains elsewhere. And distrust between China and the West has festered. China recently refused offers for more effective COVID vaccines from America and the EU, even as its death toll mounts. Problems mount for Vladimir Putin. At midnight on Saturday, Russia's purported temporary ceasefire in Ukraine, marking Orthodox Christmas, ended. In truth, the fighting never stopped. Vladimir Putin ordered the unilateral truce at the behest of Patriarch Kirill, head of the Russian Orthodox Church and fierce supporter of the president. Mr. Putin needs to keep his allies close amid his faltering invasion. The latest setback, a deadly strike on a Russian barracks in the Donetsk region that killed at least 89 soldiers, has brought more public criticism of Russia's generals. And shadowy figures such as Yevgeny Prigozhin, the head of Wagner Group, a private militia, are gaining more influence on the battlefield as a result. For now, Mr Prigozhin remains under Mr Putin's thumb but doubts about the president's militia, acumen, persist. Moreover, Ukraine insists that Russia will shortly launch another mobilisation in preparation for a large offensive. The first recruitment drive incited widespread protests in Russia in September. Repeating the move would chip away further at the president's authority. Benin's brittle democracy The people of Benin have had much to celebrate lately. Many of their centuries-old bronze sculptures, which were looted by the British in 1897, are being returned. But that will not assuage the worries of many Beninois, who vote in parliamentary elections on Sunday, about growing cracks in their achievements of helping to lead Africa's wave of democratisation in the 1990s. The last such election in 2019 was a sham. No opposition parties were on the ballot, leading to a woeful low turnout and days of violent protests. This time, the Constitutional Court has allowed three such parties to run, though prominent opponents of Patrice Talon, the president since 2016, are still in jail on trumped-up charges. Mr Talon, who won re-election in a flawed presidential poll in 2021, promised at the time not to unconstitutionally seek a third term. But many Beninois will have noted his more recent assertions that authoritarian measures are necessary and that democratic freedoms, quote, flirt with anarchy. South Africa's new cricket league Ever since the wildly successful Indian Premier League was launched in 2008, other cricketing nations have rushed to get their own tournament in the fast-paced 2020-T20 format. 
In 2018, South Africa inaugurated its Mzansi Super League, but the tournament folded when the pandemic forced the crowds away. With COVID-19 in abeyance, the country has decided that if you can't beat India, you may as well join it. And so, on Tuesday, South Africa will launch SA20, a successor to the Super League, with one big difference. All six teams are owned by IPL franchises, rather than private investors. South Africa hopes to draw on the Indian experience of running a lucrative league. But SA20 will have other competitors, the established T20 Big Bash League, ongoing in Australia, and another new league soon to begin in the United Arab Emirates. Whether fans crave yet more whirlwind cricket remains to be seen. Weekend Profile Andriy Kostin, Ukraine's prosecutor, with a plan. Few would envy Andriy Kostin, Ukraine's newish prosecutor general. His office is short on armoured vehicles, bulletproof vests and kit to detect landmines, which he calls, quote, a real threat to his officers in the field. His office has nonetheless recorded more than 60,000 alleged Russian war crimes ranging from torture and executions to strikes on over 400 medical facilities. Allies have lent him investigators, but with only about 200 Ukrainian war crimes prosecutors, the team is stretched thin. An inauspicious discovery led to Mr Kostin's appointment in July. His predecessor was dismissed after numerous prosecutorial officials were suspected of collaborating with Russia. But Mr. Kostin, a law graduate of Odessa National University, is himself not entirely free of controversy. In 2021, Mr. Kostin's candidacy to lead an anti-corruption arm of the institution he now runs failed. Watchdogs saw, quote, significant violations in his ethical conduct, including two visits to occupied Crimea, failure to report a sale of real estate to a different anti-corruption body and, quote, possible nepotism. Mr. Kostin now dismisses the matter as a, quote, historical question. In the present, he is crafting a bold agenda. He describes Russia's war as genocide, noting that Russian officials have spoken of, quote, de-Ukrainization. He says some 14,000 cases of Ukrainian children being forcibly taken to Russia and Belarus amount to, quote, stealing Ukraine's future. Mr. Kostin believes that most cases of Russian war crimes can be tried in Ukrainian courts. They have already convicted 21 people of war crimes, some in absentia. More ambitiously, Mr. Kostin would also like to see Russia's top leaders tried for aggression against Ukraine but neither Ukraine nor the International Criminal Court have the legal authority to do so. Mr Kostin is therefore lobbying hard for the creation of a special international tribunal, possibly by a vote of the UN's General Assembly, no small undertaking. The tribunal's priority would be to try Vladimir Putin, Russia's president. Many countries will hesitate to lend support, but outrage over Russia's war Mr. Kostin says, is steadily building the necessary political capital. If Mr. Kostin succeeds, 
He will have made his mark on history. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random, were Alexa Barker, Berlin, Germany, Mike Saw, Philadelphia, United States, Peter Nicklin, Naivasha, Kenya. They all gave the correct answers of the Reverend Collins, the Moon and Sixpence, Watts, Henny on Thames, and Kenneth Starr. The theme is famous drummers. Phil Collins, Keith Moon, Charlie Watts, Don Henley, and Ringo Starr. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Nikola Tesla. Of all things, I liked books best. That's The World in Brief from The Economist. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. To enjoy all of our journalism, including the full version of The World in Brief and each week's full edition in audio, please consider taking out a subscription. To get the best introductory offer wherever you are around the world, just go to economist.com slash briefing offer.